Well, hey everyone, it's great to be with you today. We haven't met before. My name is Tammy, I'm one of the pastors here. I am so sorry to not be with you in person, but I'm hanging out with our East Hans team this morning. Today is the first Sunday of Advent. In the Christian church calendar, Advent is this period of preparation for the celebration of the birth of Jesus at Christmas. And it is also a preparation for the second coming of Jesus. Christmas is coming, I'm sure you know that by now. And over the next three Sundays leading up to Christmas Eve, which we are super excited about, we are going to be discovering together who Jesus truly is by placing expectation up against reality. Now, if you are new to Groundswell, what you may not know is I was 28 years old before I started following Jesus. I haven't been a Christian for my entire life. I don't come from a long line of pastors. It was actually through my mother-in-law who invited us to Alpha that I came to know the real Jesus. Now, my mother-in-law is a devoted Christian woman and she prayed for her family for years. And we were living in the same home together. My, my husband's father passed away. Suddenly we were living across the hall from each other. And she invited us to go to Alpha so, so that she would stop asking us. We said we would go because we had no interest in church or Jesus. So we, we agreed that we would go to this first um, session, it was dinner, and we, we stayed for, for the, the presentation, and then afterwards the pastor asked me what I thought, and I told him exactly what I thought, and he just listened to me, and he didn't tell me I was wrong or what to think, so I kept going back to Alpha, and I experienced the generous and radical hospitality of these beautiful people from this small little white country church. You can imagine if you've ever been in an old country church, uh, the first night going downstairs into the basement for dinner, it was kind of a combination of, you know, great chicken dinner and mothballs, kind of that, you know, that old church smell. But these people were wonderful. And I used to say that if I was ever going to go to a church, I would go there because they were remarkably kind and hospitable. And so week after week, I kept going back and I learned more about who Jesus really was. I got some of my questions answered and I had a lot of questions. And I experienced radical love and generosity through these people. I experienced Jesus' radical love and generosity and I gave my life to him. But now if we rewind the story just a little bit, my parents did take my sisters and I to church when we were kids because at that time it was kind of like it was like the right thing to do to take your kids to church. Um, but we, we probably stopped when I was, I don't know, around 12 or 13. But I do actually have fond memories when I was a, a little kid, fond memories of Sunday school and church picnics and, of course, of this t at this time of year there was always the church Sunday school Christmas concert, which always ended with the reenactment of the nativity. All these little kids dressed up as angels and shepherds and wise men. I'm assuming it was chaos. Like, I don't remember it as chaos, but now as a parent, I'm sure it was absolute chaos. Cute, but chaos. 
And then of course there was Joseph with his brown bathrobe and the cup towel tied around his head and, and Mary with her blue gown, it's always blue for some reason, and this white head covering, kneeling by the manger, peacefully watching over the plastic baby Jesus. Lots of kids wanted to be angels or wise men or shepherds, but no one ever really wanted to be Mary because Quite frankly, she was boring. Like, think about it. She just sits there through the entire play and says absolutely nothing. But isn't that kind of how we often imagine Mary though? Like we just have almost have these like angelic images of her in our mind from nativity scenes and paintings. In so many ways, Mary appears as a, a mute figure to us. And yet, in Luke's gospel, we don't just find Mary's story of how she became the mother of Jesus. We find her actual words, words of praise to God for his generosity towards her, his faithfulness to his people, words that speak of a future reality of the kingdom of God breaking through in a broken world, words that express Mary's understanding of who the Messiah is, who Jesus is. For Advent, Many people choose to read the Gospel of Luke. Now, the Gospel of Luke that I'm talking about is a section of the Bible. It's in the New Testament, so the smaller section towards the end. And Luke has 24 chapters, which is perfect leading up to Christmas because you can read one chapter a day. Now, just for context, Luke was a Gentile, so he, he wasn't Jewish. He also was not one of Jesus' disciples. So he didn't have any in a firsthand experience. So he investigates, he gathers up eyewitness accounts and he reports them. He, it, this, and his book becomes like his re report of what he's heard. And he starts his book by saying, many have undertaken to draw an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us just as they were handed down to us by those who from the very first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. With this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, that's who he's writing to, so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. Like, so Luke is this, he's a pretty thorough guy. He's very detailed and he wants to record what actually happened so that others can have confidence in what they believe to be true. And one of those eyewitnesses was Mary, the mother of Jesus. Her perceptions, her observations, even her words are recorded by Luke. It's hard for us to understand just how countercultural this is. At this time in history, the expectation would be that a woman was silent, that they had no business offering an eyewitness account. In fact, it wouldn't even have been permissible in a court of law. A woman's eyewitness statement was useless. And yet, the reality is God chose Mary 
to use her voice. And so we find Mary, she's newly pregnant, and we find this recording of her words in Luke chapter 1. And it's often referred to as the Magnificat or Mary's song. And it starts like this, and Mary said, these are her words, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. And then as we're reading here, we see that it, it switches into the past tense. Now, this is an indication of biblical prophecy. So what that means is Mary is talking about something that's going to happen in the future, but she's talking about it like it has already happened. And so she says this, He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. I've been really inspired lately by the teachings of the theologian Amy Orewing. And she took, the, she took a deep dive into the importance of this passage, why Mary's voice is so important and remarkable. And there are, are many reasons why it's so remarkable. This is a time in history when women literally had little to no value. This was a predominantly patriarchal society where women's roles and rights were largely defined by their relationships with men. So either their fathers or their husbands. And the family line passed through the male, and it was incredibly important too. But here is Mary, a woman chosen by God to bring the promised Messiah into the world. Hundreds of years prior, the prophet Isaiah delivered this message from God. Isaiah 7.14 says, The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. That a woman will have a baby named God with us. That's what Emmanuel means. This speaks volumes to who God is and the kind of people that he uses to accomplish his purposes. A woman playing any type of significant role in the culture of that time would have been shocking. But God chooses Mary, an ordinary, poor, oppressed woman, to carry the Savior into the world, to care for him, to raise him. It's truly remarkable. And then to find her words recorded, her eyewitness account recorded by Luke in the New Testament, it would have been unlike any other document of its time, completely countercultural, turning the world's 
categories upside down. It would be unexpected that God would choose and use a person like Mary. And before I met Jesus, one of my complaints about Christians was always that they lived with their heads in the sand. They were oblivious to or ignoring the atrocities that were happening in the world around them. That their answer to everything was, we'll just pray about it. Which to me at the time sounded like an excuse to just not deal with it. Now what we see in Mary is a woman living in reality. Her world is not the idyllic nativity scene painting that we have in our minds. This is a woman, a young woman, living in a country under occupation by the Roman Empire, living in relative poverty, a woman with no voice in a society where it's really hard to be a woman. And in that context, an angel comes to her and tells her what's about to happen to her and says, Mary, you are highly favored. I don't know about you, but when I look at Mary's life, highly favored is not how I would describe her. Maybe marginalized or suffering. And I think it would likely be fair to say that you and I have a pretty different idea of what highly favored looks like. To, to us, the expectation of blessing and favor is often tied to success or getting what we want or financial stability or that position we've always wanted. But maybe that shouldn't be the way we look at it. Because as we read through the scriptures, including the life of Mary, the reality is the favor and love and blessing of God is experienced in this world where people suffer, even people like us. So the angel starts with Mary. Mary, you are highly favored and you're pregnant. The poor, occupied, oppressed, young, unmarried woman, and now she's pregnant. Being pregnant and unmarried would have placed Mary in a precarious social and legal position exposing her to potential shame or ostracism and even danger. In Jewish law and culture, premarital sex and pregnancy outside of wedlock, it was considered a pretty serious offense. And the divine intervention explanation, I'm thinking it would have been a pretty tough sell. Mary was worried. She was afraid. She wasn't living with her head in the sand. She was living in the middle of a frightening reality. And so she asks the question, how can this be? It, it doesn't make sense. It's not possible. It doesn't seem possible. Do you ever have questions about your faith? Questions about faith in general? Have you ever felt frustrated or confused by what is happening in your life? Overwhelmed by your circumstances? Confused about what God is doing in our broken world? Or wondering if he's doing anything at all? I want to encourage you today. Don't be afraid to bring your questions to God. 
that he can handle it. All of the hard questions that people ask about God today or things that they say about him, people in the Bible have already said. Where are you, God? Are you even here? I don't believe in you. You don't exist. If you're so good, why is there so much evil in this world? If you are struggling in your walk with Jesus, if you are exploring the Christian faith and you have questions, ask them. The Christian faith is, should be a safe place for you to ask your questions. Groundswell is a safe place to ask your questions. Mary had questions, questions about what was happening to her. She lives in the real world. And after the angel answers her questions, explains how this is all going to play out, and Mary, knowing the cost, knowing what she will face, with incredible faith rooted in reality, she replies, may your word to me be fulfilled. And it's from that place that she speaks the words of the Magnificat, Mary's song a defiant declaration of who God is, praise for all that he has done and the meaning of Jesus' coming. Mary is a witness to you and to me and to anyone who reads her words. She is a witness to who Jesus is. And in the midst of occupation and oppression, Mary defiantly believes that Jesus is the hope for humanity. Verse 52 really resonates with me in our cultural context today. Mary says, He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. It's heartbreaking to watch what is happening in our world today. There seems to be an obsession with power and control, countries warring against each other, attempting to occupy each other's lands. There is, there's so much focus on who's got the power or who's oppressing whom. Mary knew what it was to suffer under the abuse of power, and yet she defiantly hoped in Jesus. Her words are as powerful to us today as they were when she spoke them. Amy Orr Ewing says this, Mary points us to a God who can be trusted with power in a world where power harms and hurts so many of us. Maybe you've suffered under the abuse of power in your life, a family situation, a spouse, in your workplace. Maybe you know what it's like to be taken advantage of, betrayed, trampled by ego and domination. And when you hear Mary's words, that he will bring rulers off their thrones and lift up the humble? Maybe your heart jumps for joy just a little bit too at the coming of Jesus. Mary was a young woman in a time when women had no voice, living in an insignificant part of a country under occupation, oppressed on all sides. She was an unexpected candidate to carry the Savior, 
the one who would redeem and restore humanity to carry him into the world. But the reality is God chose her. He chose to use her words to introduce us to King Jesus. And in a world where power, domination, oppression are still the narrative of our day, hear Mary's words about King Jesus from the message paraphrase. He knocked tyrants off their high horses, pulled victims out of the mud. The starving poor sat down at a banquet. The callous rich were left out in the cold. He embraced his chosen child Israel. He remembered and piled on the mercies, piled them high. It's exactly what he promised, beginning with Abraham and right up to now. If you're here today and you're feeling insignificant, like you have very little to offer, that you couldn't be used by God because of what you've done or what you haven't done or that you don't have the gifts. As you read the scriptures time and time again, God used people you wouldn't expect. The way you see yourself is not how God sees you. You are known by him. You are loved by him. And he wants to use you. So friends, would you use your voice to speak of God's goodness, to praise him for his faithfulness, to witness to the world around you who Jesus really is. God may use it to change someone's life. He used someone's words, someone's voice to change mine. If you're here today and you are exploring the Christian faith and you have questions, I just really want to encourage you today to, to keep going, to press in, to ask your questions. And friends, if, you are, if you're with me here today, I just, I really want to encourage you that you have a part to play in showing the world the goodness of God to demonstrate to them who the real Jesus is, that we have a hope in a king, a good king, who carries power well, who can be trustworthy, and that, that we can help the world come to know the real and true King Jesus. Let's pray together. Lord, today we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, that we get to read Mary's words, that we get to hear her praise, to, to, to hear about your faithfulness and, and to hear about who Jesus is. And Lord, in this world that we, we find ourselves in where domination and oppression, they are still the narrative of our day. Lord, we pray that the truth of these scriptures would, would come to pass in our time. Lord, I pray for every person who is hearing my voice right now. Lord, wherever they are on their journey with you, would you remind them of who you are? Lord, would you give us courage 
to use our voice to speak of your goodness, to help people come to know and understand the real King Jesus. And for those who, who may be with us today who, who haven't, they don't know you yet, they're, they're exploring and they're trying to figure it all out. Lord, I pray in this moment that they would be overwhelmed with your love for them, that they would be overcome by your peace and that they would be filled with your joy. And that as we go, Lord, we would be going with the confidence uh, of our hope in Jesus, our hope in the real, true King. And we pray these things in his strong and mighty name. Amen.